0: You have to be used to being uncomfortable, and I've got very used. I've gotten very used to being uncomfortable because the only way to really grow is if you have to do some uncomfortable kind of things to get yourself in the right situation. So, in the perfect world, of course, it would be dope just to cruise along and just like you know, and just chill and eat potato chips and just make a bunch of bread. But it's not realistic, you know. And then at the end of the day, do I really want to spend my time on this earth just cruising? Like I'm trying to actually
1: do something that's meaningful. meaningful. And we are back with another Black With No Cream podcast, the number one resource for content creators on earth. Every Monday, we share interviews and discussions with industry-leading creatives whose stories will inspire you to follow your passion. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, and my goal is to provide you with the shortcuts, tips, and advice that'll take your career to the next level. You are now listening to episode number 216, and today's guest is Steve Sweatpants. Steve John Irby, better known as Steve Sweatpants, is an Emmy-nominated street photographer and co-founder of Lifestyle magazine and production company, Street Dreams. When it comes to street photography, Steve dominates the game. With over 196,000 followers on his Instagram, he has found a way to document real moments happening wherever he goes. Steve co-founded Street Dreams magazine as an outlet to feature other artists and showcase their work, which then turned into a high-level production company servicing brands with creative, direction, and consulting in the multimedia space. In this interview, some of the things that we discuss are his upbringing in New York and how he connected with others on Hypebeast forums about fashion early on. How using a camera to document a cross-country trip with his family really opened his eyes to documenting key moments. He speaks on the importance of seeking mentorship within the photography industry and how the lessons he learned shaped his skill set. How one meeting that he took turned into his company directing a six-figure deal for Honda that aired during the NBA finals. Why he started Street Dreams Magazine, his mission as a production company, tactics for photographers on social media, and so much more. This conversation is a banger and I'm excited for you to hear it today. For the current events, last week uh, Dave and I were talking and I, I talked about this trip I took out to LA with this new car that I got. And I just want to reiterate, like it it was really cool uh, for me. This is a car, I I don't give a shit about cars, right? And all the money you make as a creator and the investments you make into your your career path as a freelance creator um, is super daunting. And there's a lot of uh, variables that come with it and fear that comes with it because you're your own boss. And um, I never really ever spent money on myself as like a, a gift. I don't have nice clothes. I rarely buy nice shoes. Like I just have like shit people send me or give me. Um, the only thing I really invest in is uh, my apartment or my gear, my camera gear. And now black window cream. I've been doing that for the last three years. And so I knew at the top of the year it was cool cause I really wanted to, I needed a vehicle. My car that I had since like high school shit out on me when it came out to LA and we just Ubered everywhere. So I was like, all right, let's get a car. And you know, I didn't want to, I wanted to buy it cash cause I just want to have no debt and shit. And so I saved up for that and I knew I wanted a Tesla, but I felt like that was kind of irresponsible because there was more shit I wanted to invest into. Yada, yada, bought a Camry 2019 Toyota Camry. It was a very nice car. I love that car. Paid cash, felt very proud of myself for that shit. That, that was a big moment for me. And then quarantine happened, so I never even got to drive that car really. Uh, and then my homie Craig hit me with this ridiculous offer to buy his car used from him a Tesla, and I really fucking fell in love with them, and I knew that's what I wanted. That's the only car I gave a shit about. Like, I don't care about cars. I've driven Lambos. Shit's whatever. I don't care about having a Bugatti. I'm not a fucking famous rapper. Who gives a shit? But it it is something about a Tesla that's like buying iPhones. Like, every year, Dave makes fun of me because I always have the new iPhone, and I'm obsessed with their tech, and I'm obsessed with their computers and all that shit, and there's something about Tesla that rides parallel with that that I'm just a fucking fanboy of. Uh, and so that was always a goal and I got it and it was really fucking cool to experience it and get it and, ch- you know, cross that off the checklist. Uh, but also to like share that moment with my dad, it was cool to like travel across the country with my pops and we played the efficiency game of making sure we were going to get to the next supercharger in time and, and showing him autopilot, which is like fucking insane to me. So I can't imagine what it's it's like for someone like him who, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't have that shit before, and now the technology's here, and it's only going to get crazier, but anyway, that was my little, it was a cool little moment, so uh, dope, dope moment for me, I guess, to be proud of, and share that with y'all, because it's a cool little update, and I also kill myself working for that shit, so our work pays off. Anyway, the time has come, pour up some coffee, get ready to take some notes, and let's get into this episode right motherfucking Now! Ladies and gentlemen, you know what it is. We got the one, the only, Steve Sweeper. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, got noise. I'm, I'm blushing. How you doing, bro? You good? Good. How about yourself? Uh, everything is good. We were just complaining about internet out here, but you just finally got your your internet speeds updated after living in that spot for 13 years.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm not. This is no ad. This is definitely not an ad. But like, you know, Optimum was terrible. We got that FiOS in the crib.
1: So okay, word. it's lit. <laughs> <laughs> yo, how Yo, I'm excited for this. Like I said, I wanted to do this in person. We talked about it a while back, but I'm glad we finally are doing this, bro. You your photography is dumb. Dumb crazy. You got some fucking skilled eyes, my friend. Skilled eyes and and momentum cuz the way you are capturing life and documenting life. I mean, obviously just go through the grid. You're just inspired because you really, really are holding it down and telling stories in every single image, which I'm just impressed by. But when people come up to you, like, how do you describe yourself to, to a random person who's kind of asking about like, what do you do?
0: It's always really hard for me because, you know, I, um, I love doing everything. But the older i become because now I'm old, you know, black don't crack. I'm 33. <laughs> about to be 34 in a couple of months. But there we go. You know, I'm, I'm definitely way more confident in telling them that like, you know, I'm a photographer, I'm a creative director, I'm, I'm an executive producer. But like when you were asking me like, five years ago, I mean, I didn't even like to tell people I was a photographer, you know, I just like to like say like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm outside, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing life right? because I've lived the full spectrum. You know, I've done a lot of shitty jobs. I've worked as a custodian. I worked at McDonald's at Sears Express, you know, the list goes on and on. And, you know, I'm really grateful for being able to, you know, document and, and capture photos and, and really be in the world and, and around my culture. So, it was hard for me to accept like this weight of responsibility because, you know, I feel like I'm at, at the root of what I do. I feel like I'm a an historian, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm really obsessed with history and being able to, you know, maintain it as long as I can. And that's pretty much what I'm really obsessed with at, at the root of everything that I do with uh, my heart.
1: No, I love that. I, it is funny. It's always that weird thing where like, you know, you do more than just one specific like You know, if you tell someone you're a photographer, then they might think that you you just point and shoot the camera, and that's it. So you 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 try to like you want to kind of express that there's way more to this shit than just that. Like I mean, just running social media is a talent in itself. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different layers of it, which is funny to peel it back for people. But it is always kind of like weird whenever someone asks me what I do. I'm always like, I just kind of like uh, create cool shit. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. I, like, I, I kind of say like my job is to make things not look corny. Like, right. If you want to make, if you don't want anything to look corny, like just hit me up.
1: Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Yo, so, wait, you know, hearing about those different jobs you worked, I'm curious, like coming, uh, are you from New York originally?
0: Yeah, born and raised in New York, 87, um, baby. So I was born in East Flatbush and I was raised in Jamaica, Queens. And um, I moved out to Bed-Stuy when I was 21. So I've been out here, you know, I've been in New York my whole life. So um, I've been able to live, you know, you know, a multiple different lives in New York from being like a little, you know, a little nerdy kid to being a little street kid to being a little hipster kid to like (laughs) being like a little industry kid. I've lived so many different lives that like I've been able to understand like what I want to do and how I really want to channel my energy because, you know, being in New York is a a constant um, a constant evaluation of who you are and if if, if you're really about what you do. So mm. one of my biggest learning experiences is honestly working at GameStop. I worked at GameStop for three and a half years and that was like pretty much like me going to college. Now I worked right. at the GameStop on 34th Street and 14th Street. And like I've seen some of the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. But uh, some of the most important life lessons was working at that GameStop. <laughs> that,
1: that's fire. Shout out to Game I used to go there all the time to buy my Pokemon cards. <laughs> and Zelda <laughs> and, and Zelda. And Zelda. No, that's fire. So coming from, you know, something like GameStop, uh and, and early on, obviously it sounds like you had an interest in video games and cartoon. I think I read somewhere too that you are like uh cartoons too or something? Yeah, like, big what?
0: cartoon anime. I have like these bare bricks behind me. Uh yeah, definitely yeah, I'm 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 obsessed.
1: So what was the what was the first like when, when did you first feel an interest in uh, creating? Like, what, what, where did it come from? Was it during that time period? Was it before that? Was it your family? Did they provide some sort of creative outlet for you? Like, what was it for you that kind of got you into this?
0: You know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, my parents are, they were, they're not your, I guess, like atypical creative kind of people, but like they are creative in how they are in, in, in business. And I kind of feel like creativity isn't just limited towards art. You know, I think creativity is within everything. And then, like my dad being an electrician and, a, and an entrepreneur running his own business, and my mom um, being a paralegal and always, you know, going back to school at a later age, they've always been very in tune with, you know, just everything. Like my mom is a person to put me onto Van Gogh, and like, and she, <laughs> and she like it, it's is always like these interesting kind of like places where you learn information. And my parents were like a really strong beacon for me, and you know, and inspiring my creativity. And I think a lot of my creativity is is really kind of intertwined with hustle and like it's it's hard for me to kind of differentiate differentiate the two some of the time because I feel like there is an art a a real creativity is also like understanding like how much you really want it and then like my parents really instilled that into me so um whether whatever weird thing I was really into like when I wanted to work at GameStop because I thought I wanted to be like a video game producer or something like or whatever I wanted to become like my parents never like curved that um enthusiasm They've always were super supportive of everything that I wanted to do. They also told me like, you need to make some money, <laughs> you know, yeah, but right. like, as long as you love what you do, that's the true sense of, you know, really loving your job and, you know, figuring out where you wanted to do in your career path and stuff like that. So every time that I would play like a bunch of video games for some hours, even though they would kind of chew me out, they would be the ones that would be buying me the video games to say, well, maybe you should try out the new No Mercy, <laughs> you know, since you've been all talking right. about it. Like, so like buying all these Game Informer magazines and like, you know, spending all this time invested into it and i think the older that i became like you know i i try to really like you know use that with other people that i'm working with like i I don't try to curve anybody's ideas, you know. I, I really just try to, like, if you're really into it, then, like, man, like, just see how far you can take it because that's what my parents right. did for me.
1: Well, and it sounds, too, like, the, the hustle mentality comes from them. It sounds like they made you go work, right? Like, go get a job, and you've worked many jobs. So through through you having gone out and chasing, obviously, what does that mean when you work a job? That means you get some money. That means you could spend some money on some clothes or some games or some whatever your your hobbies are. But I think that that's what's, what's dope about you know, the support of parents who are going to support you, buy you a game, but also encourage you to go out and get your own shit and, and chase that. And then you apply that to the creative industry. You know, obviously, later on, you're going to go out and hustle even harder because you have that mentality built up, which I feel like I, you tell me because in L.A., I feel like that's rare to find from parents. LA natives sorry to anyone that's fucking from here but like <laughs> uh, you know what I mean like when I come out here I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Iowa bro like people work on farms I pick tassels on corn cobs in it's the middle of summer real hard ass labor <laughs> yes yes so when I get out here I see people be like very relaxed and taking it easy and kind of just like slipping on opportunity and shit is it different like in New York <sighs>
0: I don't want to make this into uh, like a whole kind of like a it's just different, you know, and I think mm. the main difference is is um uh, this I'm not a scientist I, I can't this this can't be confirmed, but the fact that you know in New York that you know our weather is we you can't you can't really choose your day on the weather out here like you have to really uh embrace what is given to you, and this is the same thing with our our transportation like you need to get on the train next to somebody, you know everything is so. Uh, condensed and and at the same time, you know, highly populated. That you have no other choice but to interact and, and 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 just to be engaged with people. And the true successful people in New York know how to engage with everybody. And then all I right. think there is a big difference what happens in in L.A. Sometimes, not all the time, but then a lot of your a lot of your interactions are based off of situations and not you know more or less just being in the environment because you have to be in your car half the time.
1: I think that that's what's really cool about New York is that I feel like you guys are all on top of each other, right? Like, literally. And so when you are so close and and able to just bop around and be so close to each other, like uh, Raby B, that's a homie. She was on the podcast earlier. Being from New York, it's like, she fucking has something to do every day. Like the way she's networked and, and I see like her friend circle is so popular there. Where out here, it's like, like you said, you have to drive to Long Beach to see someone or you got to go to uh, Woodland Hills or some shit to drive. You have to sit in a car for 45 minutes and you make her break that decision. But like the last time I was in New York, when we were on tour, we stopped in, um, do you know Slick and Hobby Dancers? So this is the guy. So they dance on the B&J tour that I was on. And so we went and we were like filmed. I just like followed them around. They just showing me all over the places like where they were at and slick was on uh, the cover art for Beyonce and Jay-Z's Outlast album. And so we went to the Target in Flatbush and bought that shit, right? And I thought what was dope is that when we left, we like went to the neighborhood where he is from and like just him pulling up, it's like there must have been a bad sign that flew up because all the homies poured out and just like, "What's up?" And it's like, "Where the fuck did all these friends just come from?" You know what I mean? Like, you're just you have such an opportunity to be with people and really interact. And I think that obviously I could imagine that at your younger age you learn through those experiences. The fact that you guys can get up to anything you want to get up to because you guys are right there and can run with it, it probably provides so much opportunity experience, which you can tell through your, your work that you have experience in life, you know what I mean? But yo, so when, when was it that you did pick up the camera for the first time? Like, how did, that, how did that enter your life?
0: I've always been obsessed with family photos. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, like, when you used to go to, like, like, uh, Woolworths or, like, Kmart or, like, Dwayne Reed or something like that, and then you would develop your thirty five millimeter joints and you would get the big envelope and you would go through them. I've always been obsessed with them like um I might have used it disposable a little bit back then, but it was never like a thing you know, but like when I became it actually really started from i it, like when I was on the hype these forms on the message boards, I was heavy on the hypiece message boards when I was like twenty one um and you cannot put up a week what did you wear today today, like, you know, photo. Like you needed to have like a good camera and stuff like that. You can't be rocking all the Supreme and A P C and the Vans with a week <laughs> a week photo. With a week a week camera.
1: Blackberry camera or some shit.
0: Yeah, it, it was it wasn't cutting it. So I slowly like yeah. started to and I've always been like into like video games and like, you know, technology and you know, all kinda like, you know, techie kind of stuff. So like I kinda like looked into it a little bit, but I didn't really take it that seriously. Um just this that was strictly for the fits at the time and then a couple years go past and I started to work with um uh like working with like some kind of music artists and like rappers and stuff like that and I had the opportunity to like be an A&R for uh one of these terrible rappers I wouldn't even say his name he still sucks (laughs) but um (laughs) but um but it was a really good good job opportunity Uh, we've all been there at least once yeah Um, yeah right but I had the really, it was a really dope opportunity, honestly, because I was able to, like, um, use a camera and then, like, not only document him and, like, and what we were getting into uh, back in the day, like, going to South by Southwest. Like, I drove from Brooklyn to Texas um, by myself. Damn. You know what I mean? It took me Damn. 26 hours and then, like, 44 hours to get back because, like, I was the only person driving. Nobody else had a license. And I was, like, just saying, try to shoot some photos, like... I lived the terrible life <laughs> of, you know, trying to figure out like where I stand with all this. And that was all around the age of 25. But it was really dope for me because it, it, like it was a, a really good opportunity to you know not only like work with somebody and like document something, but it also like really started to teach me like if I wanted to take it seriously. And around the same mm-hmm. time I found Instagram, like while I was still working at GameStop. So I was doing the iPhone photography, but at the same time I had a, a little film camera where I was able to go back and forth. So like the iPhone was teaching me like how to like, to shoot what I wanted to shoot, how to compose photos and, you know, kind of really get in my rhythm. And then like shooting with the film camera, like I could get like the serious photos that I really wanted to do. So like, that was like early 2012, 2013. And I started like a Tumblr page around then that still exists. And like, has like all like my OG film photos of like when I first started shooting and stuff like that. And like photos, photos of my parents and like the road trips that we were taking and stuff like that. And damn it was really dope around that time but i was still like working at like rei actually i was like the only black dude selling tents in soho <laughs> 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 and then um and then it came it was starting to get to like this crossroads kind of point where um, like uh, the photography like my photography like was getting a little bit more serious i wouldn't say i was good but like i was really enjoying it um i was meeting like, i was really getting into this instagram community so that's when i started to link up with like I will always give shout outs to Illich Peters, like Jay and Silva, Dave Krugman, uh, Black Soap, like those are like Denise. Those are like the OGs that all of us were shooting together in New York and those all those dudes individually taught me something that was very important for my growth. And then I started to realize that like, man, I've been working all these dead end jobs. Um, and it's not fulfilling, you know what I mean? Like I mm-hmm. photography was the first time that I could take control back of something in my life. And I was like twenty five and twenty twenty around twenty five or 26 at the time. So um, I got fired right. from REI because I was always late. And uh, I told the dude, like, thank you, honestly, because I can't just, like, <laughs> I'm not the type of dude to quit, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I literally yeah. got fired from every single job I've had from the age of, like, 25 to, like, <laughs> 14. <laughs> Damn. Goddamn. Um, but the fir- uh, I haven't never been fired on a photography job. You know, that's like, the first time right. that, like I've taken something that seriously. So around the same but you time, know, like, yeah, what were you saying?
1: Yeah, what I was going to say is, so. so what's cool to me is, like, Early on with the blog or the like, you know, the forums and shit, you're just trying to like, you use photography as an outlet to like express yourself through clothing, right? And then, and then you get into Tumblr, which is kind of a cool, like, you know, still, it's like the MySpace era type shit. Like, it's like a way to like express yourself to people that are not just within your circle, like they're around the world, you know what I mean? Like, you may get someone to fucking comment on a photo of yours from Berlin, you know what I mean? And like, there's something special about that shit. And then even to Instagram, like, when you started sharing on Instagram, was it the fact that people were responding to the images you were posting or was it just the idea of like, oh, this is cool. I just took this. I'm going to share it here. And like, were you thinking like this could grow in followers or this I'm, I'm getting a, uh, you know, a response out of this type of shit? Like, what was it when you moved to Instagram that made you kind of attracted this to is, it? This is a really
0: great question, actually. I think that the ill thing about Instagram that really blew me away um, and then at the time it was. Like, this is, like, so this is when I was still, was working at GameStop. So this has to be, like, 2010, 2011 or something like that. What blew mm-hmm. me away about Instagram was the accessibility. Like, you can, like, I've always thought that photography was, like, this expensive-ass thing to get into, especially coming from, like, the hypeies message boards era where, like, you know, it was... I was trying to cop a pair of Vizvums, you know what I mean, or some W-taps. Like, buying a camera, like, was, like, double the price. Like, it was... Like, am I going to buy a shoe or am I going to buy a camera? I was like, I'm going to buy the shoes. Like, it will, (laughs) like, I will always be going for the shoes. But when Instagram came out, like, I was still using the the same thing, you know, like, I was still using my phone. Like, there was no other point of access that you had to, there was no other price of admission, you know, you already have the phone. Um, Mm. So, seeing it first going on Instagram was really dope because of the accessibility, and then also to see what people were doing with, you know, their photos and their photography on Instagram. It just really inspired me to. To say that, like you know, I'm really the kind of person that, like if I see something doing is if I see somebody doing something, I'm like man, I could do that shit, you know. I always, mm. until I try it and I, I actually know that I can't do it, I will I will probably attempt it at least once, you know. Right. Um, and then in, with photography and then the Instagram world and being able to use mobile photography, like it felt like something I actually could do um, that didn't require anything else. So, um, the more I started to experiment and try things out and then like you know, at first like, I had to get comfortable with using it at first. And then after a while I wanted to like, you know, be more true to like what I wanted to see and what I thought like me and my homies were talking about. So, oh, well, I, I just started to first use it as a foundation and then use it as a tool to, uh, to start to separate myself to like be more adamant to talk about the stories that I wanted to talk about. But it didn't feel like that at first. It always felt like, you know, I just wanted to be different from everybody else. Yeah. You know, I'm always been the anti, you know, especially in that time and Instagram was about like, the inspirational quotes, like the sun will rise tomorrow. And like, I was like, I wasn't <laughs> about any of that kind of food food stuff. I was like, let me find a way to like be real with, with myself and also like for where I'm from. And then, right. And then see what happens.
1: I, I want to know, I can't remember like what the messaging was promoting Instagram to us, like at the time, because I, it's cool when I hear people that like get into Instagram to create, like they're, they're already expressing themselves creatively. And when I got on Instagram, it was already like I'm already so deep in Facebook. Why the fuck do I want this shit? And I, if I go back to my thing, it's like a picture of some shitty fried eggs that I made and a fucking picture of of a Yankees game on TV or some shit. Like it wasn't like I wasn't being creative at all. Uh, and it's cool to hear that you came into it with like a different route. Like I don't know. I'm I'm wondering if that's how it was intended to be, and I just missed that fucking memo. You know what I mean? Like I, I
0: kind of think the the more. I, I don't know. It just kind of popped in my head, but I think it kind of has this, something to do with the way I was raised in New York, you know, like being in New York growing up, like you never wanted to have the crusty sneakers on. You never wanted to like, you know, have somebody clowning you at school. Like it was always about like hearing them. Like, you wanted to make sure you heard the Jay-Z or the Jay-Z song first. So like you made we wanted to make, I'm, I'm from Jamaica, Queens. So like you need to know like the, the 50 cent G freestyles. You couldn't go to school without knowing that shit. Like right. There was a lot of these kind of things that you need to make sure that you were validated. In order to participate in our culture, you know, Mm. and then when I saw like Instagram, I was like, "There's a lot of people that were doing all these random things, but it wasn't valid to me. Like, how who's validating any of this kind of stuff?" And right, and then and and I think that's like one of those kind of subliminal things that I've always kind of saw, and it's still kind of inspired to do with my Instagram page. Like, I'm just like naturally the anti kind of guy, and I'm the most hard headed person, but it comes from. Growing up in New
1: York and not trying to be crusty
0: and, <laughs> and then having people talking about you—you're
1: just like constantly swimming above water, like trying to be like, I'm not going to be that guy. Yes. I, I, that makes sense. That makes total sense to me, and I think that that is true because it, like, that's the worst feeling you get up on the playground and someone fucking clowns you because you got like. Like, it would always be like the Bulls jacket. Like, I was like the last one to get that shit because my mom was like, you don't need another jacket. i like, no, I need this shit. I need this shit. I don't even watch fucking basketball, but I need the Bulls jacket, you know what I mean? That's uh, No, that's, that's true. Okay, so then when was it, like, for you to have gotten fired and thank the manager for firing you, right? Yeah. You go, you're going to be now jobless, right? So no more income. Did at the time when that happened, were you seeing that photography could potentially make you money or was it just like, cool, I don't need this. I need like time to just like become me. Like I need that. Was it, was it like, I know I can do this for a business.
0: I don't know. There was, there was definitely, um, there was definitely like this sense of relief. You know, I I think that the biggest thing with me and and this whole kind of like aura of like financial security is that like you're not doing something that you really want to do. And I used to really hate just going to work. Like, I I, I couldn't stand it. Like, I I just didn't like a lot of the different kind of interactions that are happening in workplaces. And because I'm not college educated, I always had to work a lot of retail jobs. And the way that people treat you sometimes, just because you work behind the register is unfathomable. Like, I I would never treat people like that. And I didn't want to keep myself in a situation where people could feel that they can talk to you or or being some kind of perspective on you because of where you are you know Mm. and photography is one of those things that you have complete control you know and it was more or less and most intoxicating the fact that you know somebody can't judge me just but because I'm standing behind a cash register or you know what I mean like photography is something that's so empowering that you is and so empowering and also so subjective that it just gave me the the most supreme kind of confidence and self and self-esteem that I was doing something that even if it didn't equate to all the money, like I'm doing some, something that's historic and something that's legendary and something that's consuming consuming the time that I went the consuming my time the way that I want to spend it, and I don't care how many memberships I have to sell for any other place. They can't give me the fulfillment that for, uh, photography that photography gives me, especially all the different kind of verticals right. that have it, it, it kind of evolved into with the, like the the creative directing and with street dreams and with executive producing. Um, I'm doing things that I've I've always been that guy like I told you like I've, I see it happen on TV Like I could do that shit and, I'm, and now I'm actually doing it you know yeah so like I, I was I had to be broke for a long time you know for a very long time and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not roll, rolling in the dough now but this is definitely this I, this is the definitely the most comfortable I've ever been in my life and the the happiest that I've been um, because I'm not slaving away and selling memberships for something I, something I don't believe in. You know what I
1: mean? No, that's that's incredible, bro. That that is the power of this shit. And like when when you can finally take the leap or have someone take the leap for you, aka fire your ass. Like <laughs> like words. <laughs> Give me the
0: boot. I'm ready to go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's that's what sometimes that's what you need, man. It's it's crazy. I just had uh, Anthony Supreme on the podcast and he talked his, He talked about his mom passed away. And like, that was the the actual kick in the ass he needed to just be like, I'm gonna go to LA and try to chase this shit, you know what I mean? And it turned into working with J. Cole. So it's like, when you, when you that's important for people to hear is that sometimes you, you, you know, as hard as it is for us to make the decision, sometimes it can come from other places, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And
0: there's just a, there's just a really big, um, you have to be used to being uncomfortable, and I've got very used. I've gotten very used to being uncomfortable because the only way to really grow is if you have to do some uncomfortable kind of things to get yourself in the right situation. So, there's nobody right. that's just there's uh, for the in the in the perfect world. Of course, it would be dope just to cruise along and just like you know and just chill and eat potato chips and just make a bunch of bread. But it's not realistic, you know. And then right. at the end of the right. day, do I really want to spend my time on this earth just cruising? Like, I'm trying to actually do something that's meaningful. Nothing against those jobs that I worked at, because obviously, like, it's a necessary, it's a necessary thing to, in our society that we all need the duality of it. But, like, I just knew that I'm not the right person to be in that situation.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's for y'all. Like, I'm out of here. No, Thank you. Fire uh, my behind. Yeah. <laughs> all <laughs> right. right. Um, You're right. So what, you know, you said you were shooting on film then, like when you were starting to share socially, right? Like what cameras were you shooting on? Did you end up going digital or did you always kind of stay on film for for the beginning period of of your photography career? So
0: the first camera that I started to use uh, from that bum ass rapper dude, you know, (laughs) was the Nikon D5100, I believe. Mm -hmm. It was this little Nikon joint that we were using for a while. I never really tell this story now. I guess we can tell this story. But I had to give that camera up because um, when we drove from Brooklyn to Texas, I, ha- I found the camera from like this. Uh, I mean, I found the I found the car rental from like this little hole in the wall spot in Queens somewhere <laughs> like in, in the cut. And I told them that I was going to drive to Virginia. <laughs> but I actually drove Damn. to Texas. <laughs> and then when I came back, um, we didn't have any money. So um, they was like, man, you need to give us something like me not gonna let you leave. So I had to give up that Nikon D5100. Wow. And I looked on Amazon to see how much the camera cost. It was like 200 bucks. I was like, yeah, they could keep that camera. Yeah. So I had to look, I had to find another camera now because I didn't have a camera to use anymore. And that's when I fell in love with the Canon Rebel XSN. Um, it was like mm. this little silver joint. I think it was like 15 bucks when I bought it. And I bought a 40 millimeter pancake lens. And um, that was like my go-to camera to use uh, for like, the serious work that I was doing back then. Um, like when I did my big road trip with my parents um, from like Denver to uh, like Las Vegas, LA or something like that, I brought that camera with me. And um, those were like oh. the first real rolls of film that I got to shoot. It was like with my parents on this crazy road trip.
1: When you did that road trip, was this like some of your first time shooting landscape? It was a combination of everything. You know, it was doing a lot of
0: portraiture stuff of like my parents and my sister and like um, shooting some land- landscape stuff. That was like, I'm pretty sure I've been to the Grand Canyon before when I was little, like. My parents have always been like they were some of the most traveling black folks I've ever met in my life. Like so they've always been about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I was able to see things when I was younger, but not really remember them. So was able to experience like the Grand Canyon with my with my parents and my sister. Um we got to get photos of that and like me and my pops went to like Death Valley when it was like one of the hottest days of the year and um got photos of that and like those like those photos uh were like like some of my early like if not my first film photos, like my really, really early film photos. And, and, you know, like my dad had four strokes last year and like, now he can't like really talk and stuff. And like, I look at, I look back at those photos and like, I'm so happy that I was able to, I could look at that stuff and like, really relive the days, you know what I mean? Like, and, and then I understand why photography is so even important to me in the first place, especially me being into street photography and, and like editorial and portraiture work kind of work. So, Um, like all those OG trips, like the, the Canon XSN is like, like, it was like a chef kid's camera for me. It was like, it was, it was the hardest joint. And, um, I eventually went to a Fuji X-T1 and, uh, and then after the Fuji X-T1, I went to the Sony A7 and then I I haven't looked back. I've been signed to Sony, Sony for four years now, three years.
1: God damn, That's incredible, man. That's, that is super cool that you are able to reflect on those images. And that's like my favorite part about us documenting. Like it's freaky. how much shit we have captured of our lives and how happy i am that i've done that you know what i mean and and i can imagine it's the same for you especially in that situation like that that's fucking amazing when you when you were learning you know you're shooting on film like i personally my my uncle was always trying to get me into film and i never had done it i just never got into film i've always shot digital it was just because i needed a camera with video and photo on it and i just like learned that way when you were learning film shooting on film like how were you learning like who is teaching you this shit
0: Man, it was a combination of everything. Um, you don't learn this stuff by yourself at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, at the time, um, one of my homies that was living in New York, uh, he was, um, I don't know if you know him, he's, he lives in L.A. too, actually, it's Mark, Mark Peast. Um, Mark Peast. He's uh, cool with um, the the Sonda homies with Brent Fayaz, he's actually working with Brent, he worked, he's been working with Brent for like years now, um, but Mark cool used Lord. to live out in New York, and um, he put me onto a lot of like kind of early stuff with film and like about film stocks and everything like that and um then it kind of translated over to like you know just asking a lot of random people that i was working with and through the photography community about you know different film stocks and everything and then it came to nothing but trial and tribulation dude like i spent so much money and i didn't have any money at the time either i was broke yeah (laughs) but i spent so much money on like let me just see what this looks like and try it out and if it looks great then it's dope i'm gonna stick with that film stock and if not then I like, i'll know i will never try to use that again and a really big thing for me even too was like shooting a lot of like early black and white film work it has uh, had a lot of heavy influence on how I, I edit my photos now with all my digital work you know i right. still like have a lot of those same kind of cues that when i was shooting like the the 400 you know a triax 400 joints um the Kodak, the Kodak drawings, the black and white ones, the black and white ones that like, deep contrast. Like, I'm obsessed with that kind yeah. of stuff. And I only really learned to be um, that obsession comes from shooting all those different film photos that I was shooting, like, you know, six, seven years ago. So it's uh, uh, this weird kind of like, you know, evolution into like my current style. But a lot of it has to do with um, experimentation and, and bothering as many people as possible um, <laughs> who, who, right. who actually want to tell me with how to do something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, it's an expensive uh, entry level to get into the shit. In <laughs> exactly. <thing>. Like, <laughs> is it, you know, at what point, so you start capturing, like you do that trip and, and you're starting to get more into it. You don't have that job anymore. Are you still doing eyeball jobs? Like as you're continuing to grow with photography or was it like that last job was it and you move forward and just started tackling photography? For
0: me, that last job was it. There was definitely some odd job uh, situations that I've, that I've been in. One of my uh, big bros, OGs, I will always speak uh, highly of him. Uh, AJ, as uh, he used to, he's still a barber, and he also used to sell clothes and all that kind of stuff. Like he was, he, has, he was like one of the most. He was like the definition of an entrepreneur to me. Like he had his own right. studio. He was cutting hair out of there. He had a little thrift store. He was doing photo shoots, so like he was doing it all. Yeah, I, I used to run with him a lot uh, back in the day, and that's still my big homie. And um, when I didn't have any money, I would be sweeping hair in his spot to, like, just get something, like, to get some food in my stomach. And I honestly was super grateful for him because it was really embarrassing to get so low sometimes. And especially, like, hard-headed people like me. But he never, like, he never, like, shitted on my confidence, you know. He was always mm. super supportive for me in those situations and, like, giving me opportunities to shoot, like, his clothing brand and all that kind of stuff. And and that really gave me a lot of momentum. Especially when I was, um, when the ribs was touching and I was sleeping on the couch in my own crib, <laughs> you know, I yeah. needed those, uh, those little situations. But like, no, nah, like it, it took a community. Like those aren't the same people that keep me grounded with the same people that were holding me down when I was broke. You know what I mean? Like mm. if it wasn't for Dijon, he paid my rent a couple of times when I didn't have any, when I didn't have any money. So I definitely owe him some money from like six, seven <laughs> years ago. But like, you, you can't do this by yourself. You know, it takes Really trustworthy people yeah. to like, you know, help you pursue your dream. And it took me a while to find that because I've been through a lot of terrible situations with people that just did me dirt too. So, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it wasn't easy, but like it, it definitely, like, you know, it takes a village kind of mentality, right? To, to get by and to be in a situation I'm in today.
1: Yeah. Community is key, man. That's, that's like, uh, you can bounce your ideas off of, you can grow as a creative, you can learn more tips and tricks on how to you know develop film. And then you start to learn the business too, right? Like I'm sure, I'm sure that started to, to pop in because were you starting to associate yourself more with like local photographers who were start like more established? Were you like looking up to anyone at the time that you were trying to connect dots with or be mentored by in the industry of photography or like, how did you pivot to turn it into like a full-time freelance job?
0: A hundred percent, like one of the people that I looked up to a lot um uh, when I first started was um you know we grew up in like I always like to call them like the waves like so the mm-hmm. first wave of, of the first wave of i g was like thirteenth witness and trash hand, like those two right. dudes like they moved mountains <laughs> in our community to for everything that what they really represented it re, you know represented and and everything that they were documenting back in the day and um the next the second wave for me was like getting really cool with like the black soaps of the world, like Raheem is not now to have him like be like my big brother, like I'm goddaughter to his daughter, and all this stuff like that. Like we family, and you know? like I used to look up to him because I didn't really know any other black people. They're doing street photography, like in, right. my, in my age group at the time. You know, I didn't know about like Jamel Shabazz. I didn't know about like Joseph Rodriguez and like all the legends. So like you know, I didn't. I really didn't. Wasn't tapped in like that. So seeing, like, Raheem being from the Bronx, you know, and doing his thing, like, it really motivated me, like, man, like, if he could do it, then, like, you know, I could do it, too, so I need to link yeah. with this dude and see if he's, like, if he's a real one, you know, and, like, you know, it was, it was, it, 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 it was always a big evolution, you know, it's, like, me being, and, like, in tune with, like, a lot of the the contemporary photographers that were coming up in the IG scene just made me want to know more about photography in itself, so it made me wanted to find out more about, Like the OGs, like I mentioned already, like Jamel Shabazz and like and Joseph Rodriguez. And being cool with Jamel Shabazz and Joseph Rodriguez respectively now is is mind blowing to me. And Ricky Powell, I can't I can't even have this conversation without mentioning Ricky Powell. Like I have this photo of Run DMC hanging up behind me so I can see it every day. So like like those are like like the founding fathers of street photography and and being candid and like being the real New Yorkers, you know? But it all started from being cool with like the contemporary contemporaries first. um, yeah. I had to have that duality in order to understand how I going to communicate my images. And that's why you see like my work look the way it does because I'm kind of channeling
1: both energies. Right. And, and, the, and the mentorship is like everything, you know, and to be able to kind of be guided, even if it's from a distance, even if it's from a bird's eye point of view, for someone that you look up to, understanding and kind of seeing how they position themselves and move, like soaking up that knowledge will go a long way. You know what I mean? Especially like when you're new to this shit. When, when did you start to notice that it was working.
0: <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to tell. I think I uh, I've been in situ- I've been in really good situations over the past couple of years, and it's I don't I don't. It's hard for me to equate it to like what it where where it's coming from. You know, sometimes it's like, is it just because I'm black? <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is it just because like do people actually like what we're you know putting out there in the world? And it was it's was really hard for me to accept that for a while. But I think it all kind of really felt real um, this is a true story. Like I, um, we were doing, I think with street dreams for a couple of years already. And, um, we got hit up to, um, I had got hit up to do a meeting, um, out in LA in Culver city. And, um, when I pulled up to the meeting, I was wearing like a, like a Knicks jersey, like a Charles Oakley jersey, like some Stussy basketball shorts and like some Yeezys. And I was like, man, I'm, not get, I, 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 I made up my mind that morning. was like I'm not getting dressed for meetings no more. Like I'm, I'm tired right. of like trying to put on this front about like it was a front, you know. Like I'm not comfortable in this thing, so I don't need to like become. I need to be myself. So when I pulled yeah. up to the meeting already, I was like, man, we might, I might just fumble this whole bag, <laughs> you know, like, so like just because I pulled up a like Charles Oakley jersey, right? Easy. But yeah. we had probably one of the best meetings of our life. Um, and I was there by myself, um, representing street dreams and everything that we uh, meant for photography and my own photography. And we landed a national commercial for a for Honda gig. And we was able to do like Uh-oh. our first, like six figure deal. And, um, it was aired during the NBA finals. My grandparents got to see it on TV while they were both alive. You know what I mean? Like my pops got to see it while they were alive. And, you know, we did a bunch of little things up to the thing, but I never took it that seriously. But when that happened, I was like. Oh uh, no, this is this is legit. And then they made right. a Honda commercial based off our whole photo walk. So the whole concept that we've been doing for the past four years, they've literally made it into a commercial. So like if they can if they see this, then we must be doing something right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we have to be doing something right.
1: Right. Damn, that's crazy. That's that's a fucking experience. So when you got into that room, did you know that you were up for that opportunity or how big it was going to be. Like you start working with a, ma- a massive brand like that, you know, obviously the bad, like you said, six figure deal, you coming into it, understand that there's going to be a big bag there, but you're new to negotiating these big bags. So how did you like deal with that part of it? And also we'll get to the, I want to get to the magazine in a second, but like how, did, for that part, how did you deal with that?
0: It was int- It was interesting because I had no idea what I was stepping into, but you, you could feel in your gut when like, especially being born and raised in New York, you can kind of feel in your gut like, oh, this is about to go down. Like something serious is about to happen. So I was in a mindset where I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't fumble any opportunities to fully articulate everything that we bring to the table, what we represent. And then that's why I was so adamant with being, wearing the clothes that I would wear in the first place, because it's a part of the whole packaging. You know, if you can, if you can accept me for what I'm wearing you're not going to accept these ideas that I'm going to be talking about in the first place. And the fact that they were really open to right. it and they understood the whole everything that was fully encompassing with uh, what it represented. It was a, it was, it, it, I think it was the, it was instrumental, uh, an instrumental part of really going to the next level and understanding, like, we don't have to be anybody but ourselves, you know, and mm-hmm. that kind of, and that level of confidence is the same kind of confidence that I've been bringing into every kind of situation that I've been in ever since.
1: Fire. Yeah, and that you can when you roll in like that, bro. It's like some people are afraid, and you wanna you wanna play the part. But when you roll in as confident as you can be in yourself, you're putting people they they can get pushed into their seat a little bit more, and you gain control. You know what I mean? Like I think that there's the ability to gain control in those meetings, which makes someone, damn, are those new easies, man? Shit, oh, it's it's like I'm a part of this culture. I consume this stuff. It's like I'm not a, I'm not hiding the fact
0: that I love this shit. Like why am I hiding? Yeah. This? Why am I trying right. to buy this stuff and then I'm I'm, I'm, be, I'm and I'm trying to sell it back to you? It, it makes no sense, you know.
1: Right. I have to be oh, a part funny. of
0: it, you know. I'm not saying yeah. like I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do it all the time, but like there has to be some kind of of uh, of uh, understanding of what you what uh, what packaging actually means. And I, I and I'm very aware of right. that.
1: Mm, that's that's really dope. So then, it, it, it airs. actually first, I want to talk about Street Dreams. So uh, I know you have your co-founder. You have two other partners. Yeah. So two other partners. So, yeah, can you tell us more about that? For anyone that's listening who doesn't know what Street Dreams Street Dreams is and then how it kind of came to be,
0: I actually have. Wait, do I have a magazine here? I do
1: have a magazine here. Somewhere. Yeah, flex that shit. Ha! Bye bye. Fire. Bang, that shit was this is clean. This is Joseph really Rodriguez clean.
0: photos too. So shout out to Joseph Rodriguez. He has a new book coming out, LAPD 1994. It's going to be fucking crazy.
1: Um, oh damn. The uh,
0: but Street Dreams is honestly the thing. Shout out to AJ again. Uh, so the. If it wasn't for AJ, um, who was my barber, like I was telling you, yeah. I would have never met my business partners, um, Eric and Mike. AJ is just the plug. And he connected me to Eric and Mike at his spot maybe like six years ago, seven years ago. And when I met Eric, it was honestly insane because we really hit it off from like pretty much the first day that we met. Um, Eric is pretty much into the same things that I'm into. Um, the first day I met him, he was rocking a pair of Vizfilms. And I didn't know it was him. I was like, oh, man, those are some dope shoes. And then when I went mm-hmm. to the spot uh aj was like oh this guy wants to meet you he's been following your work for a while and you know he really wanted to connect with you and it was fucking eric i was like oh well what do you know you know what i mean yeah right so we hit it off immediately the next day we walked across the williamsburg bridge and we spoke about the concept of street dreams kind of like a digital a digital zine idea i was doing this thing on tumblr called steve sweatpants versus because i'm obsessed i'm obsessed with wrestling so it'd be like steve sweatpants versus um black soap you know steve sweatpants versus black soap versus like my other homies in a triple threat match. And it would be a a portrait series. So we wanted to implement that into the magazine, but then during this whole time in New York, where I've been linking with all the homies, like Jay and Sylvan, all those guys, it felt like a disservice to make a magazine, um, which is Eric and myself's work without putting all the homies into it. All these people that have been teaching me all this stuff about editing, about community, about pretty much everything I've been learning. So we decided to put all those people into the first magazine and then the next day that eric pretty much went back to vancouver he got into a conversation with uh one of his old homies he went to high school with he told him about the concept about the magazine how he met some dude from new york are we about to go start this joint and the dude told him uh, that day is like yo man i have a printing press we can make this an actual magazine so that idea went from a digital zine to a print publication in 48 hours pretty much
1: god damn
0: the first run of street dreams is only like 100 issues and we had like a solo gallery out in Vancouver, and I couldn't even go, dude. I was broke. I just got fired from <laughs> REI. I couldn't make it up, but I was so hyped to see it happen. Like I didn't graduate college, you know what I mean? So I dropped out of college. I, it, it was that was like my version of a de- of a degree, you know what I mean? Like I finally completed something besides like Zelda. You know, it was like right, right, right. So we just had to do more. So it kind of evolved into this thing that after the first magazine, we's like we went into the second magazine. Uh, because there's so many different photographers that we knew. And then the whole point of us creating Street Dreams in the first place was we needed to create like an equal level playing field for photographers and creatives that you didn't have to play this cloud chasing game to get on. Like it was it was pretty much impossible for us to get into a print magazine back in those days. Like you had to yeah. have we had to be in those right kind of circles. And we was like, fuck all the circles. Like, let's make our own kind of community. Let's make it as inclusive as possible. Let, let's kill all these kind of weird kind of prejudices that the art world has and really look at it on some punk rock and hip hop kind of vibe of like now we're here to like celebrate each other every single time and then that was the goal we didn't care if you was black white gay straight you know it didn't matter like if you did dope work you did dope work and then the, we really just kept you know kind of continued on with that mission and we started to realize that you know we have a better relationship with the photographers in these agencies so we created street Dreams visual agency so we can be able to produce our own work and have create these uh, better relationships with these different photographers and and videographers and all these people that we've been working with. And honestly, like this has been like, if it wasn't for, you know, linking up with AJ in the first place and linking up with Eric and like, you know, Mike C, like I call him uncle Mike, like those, it's been the most uh, beneficial thing that ever happened in my life. I don't know what I would be doing right now if I wouldn't be doing, you know, you know running street
1: drinks with those guys and doing photography right. on, on, on my own. so. Ha- how old is Street Dreams right now? I think it'd be like six years old. Six years. Okay, word. Yeah, we're six right. years old. About to be seven. So, so when you when you started it, like, is it is it the magazine has a lot of articles within it too? Are you guys writing articles? How how are you how are you curating the magazine and how did you handle that? Because that's a lot of work, man. Like it just is. A printing it. If it's just photos alone, still a lot of work. But if you're adding anything on top of that, it's a lot. And that's like a typical magazine, right? So how did you guys structure your, your, your zines?
0: So if the first wave of like, we're up to issue 15 now. So we're working on issue 16. The first wave of issues, like I think like the first eight, we were actually doing interviews as well too. But we were doing interviews on the photographers individually. So the, what, what we wanted to do was have six photographers featured, right? Three males and three females. And then from three different kinds of followings, uh, something that would be, Considered a, low, considered a low following, something that would be like a mid-tier and then something that would be a, high, a high-tier high following. Right. And then during the whole time while we were curating like these high-level editorials for the specific photographers, we would have the our hashtag, Street Dreams Mag. As Street Dreams Mag with hashtag was an opportunity to not only be displayed onto the Instagram, but give it an actual tangible place to live in the magazine. So we would mm. create these grids into the magazine. So if you were featured into like, as one of the six artists, you will always have a chance to be printed into like the grids versions of the street drinks magazines as well too. So for the first eight issues or like, maybe like a little bit more than that. We were printing like these six, uh, these uh, six different editorials for the individual photographers and then creating these grids um, of all the photographers that were participating uh, by using the hashtag. So I think right now uh, that we've grown over to like around 10 million shared hashtags over the span of like six years and like, probably one of the craziest catalogs of photos that you can go through. Um, Some people started to spam it up a little bit, but it it got, uh, I think it's cleaned. Um, But it's the, the whole point of it was of creating this inclusive community that you didn't, there wasn't just one way to get into street dreams. Um, We wanted to create this hashtag to give it some kind of better kind of significance rather than all the other hashtags that were existing on Instagram at the time. There was no other output besides, like, are we going to post your photo on an aggregated account? But it was like, we wanted right. a deeper meaning past the aggregation. You can have a, a actual a printed published photo that you can use as credit into getting a job in some other situation or whatever you wanted to do. So um, we that's thought that was dope. way more important at the time. And um, we're actually going to be bringing those back for the last issue.
1: Oh, uh, that's sick. So, so would you, did you find yourself? changing the style or chasing a specific style for like for the magazine like were you also publishing your own work within it still as the as the magazine progressed were you publishing your own work in there or were you just doing your own thing and it kind of ran parallel to what you did
0: for a long time i didn't put none of my work into the magazine besides like the first issue um okay we're... i really uh and maybe it's a maybe it's like maybe something deeper but i really just don't like I didn't like double dipping. I really was kind of a, against that for a, uh, a long time, and 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 I kind of like lightened up a little bit because some situations where um, there is some like I, I got the I have the opportunity work to work for the New York Knicks for the past two three seasons. So working with That's the it. New York Knicks and doing an editorial into the magazine was a really dope opportunity to showcase all this documentary work that I've been doing with them and all the places that I've been going with them and all that kind of stuff like that. So we didn't really start doing that maybe into like 4 years into the magazine but first starting off it was strictly of the community. We didn't try to right. put anybody else in there besides like the people that we were, were really trying to uh you know look for and curate the work of all the there've been so there's so many people that have been busting their ass out there in and our in our in our world that it just felt like a disservice to just try to put myself in the magazine all the time. Right. So um
1: yeah
0: it was just it was this interesting kind of thing happening though that everything that I was doing individually um, as the sweatpants, Stephen Irby or whatever the hell I'm called. Honestly, I don't know my name anymore, <laughs> but it was running parallel to what we were doing with street dreams. So that kind of momentum is, is important in those situations that n- none of the entities fell stagnant. And it was always right. like this perpetual motion towards something that was bigger. Um, and then mm-hmm. that's, we're still going to, we're still going in that direction as
1: well, too. That's dope. So then what were some of the opportunities that came from having started? Obviously you did that, that the, uh, whatever the car company was. Why am I blanking on? Uh, Honda, or, Honda. Honda. So you did the Honda, the Honda ad are that's coming from representing the agency side of it. Or was that coming through you as an individual? People are starting to find you as an individual want to work with you. Or did you guys position the agency? Like people are starting to spread the word. Like, yo, this is the agency that like street dreams really has talent and has access to more talent than just like three dudes. You know what I mean?
0: You know, I think we created an interesting, really, uh, we, it, we created like an interesting conundrum with street dreams where, the people the amount of people that actually work on street dreams is maybe like maybe eight to ten maybe but we the impact of it is so much bigger than those eight to ten people so a lot of the times where especially the earlier the earlier days of, with companies when they were reaching out to us they were reaching out to us on a on a global on a global level every single time because that was the impact that they always seen and then if once they start to know us individually like what i would do individually what eric does individually what my seed does individually we all have our own kind of uh different kind of skill sets that really apply perfect to certain situations so i i I probably talk the most out of all of them actually eric talks he did for sure (laughs) talks the most but (laughs) i'm the most direct (laughs) right so like those situations work better in in some of the other kind of clients that we've been able to work with and then uh, with Eric's head uh, being half Canadian, half half Canadian, half American. There's a lot of situations that work better for our Canadian counterparts and the uh, and, and ex- That can expand our business and being able to work not only with Vancouver, but we have a lot of Japanese partners now. So the, the Japanese partners are really cool with Mike C. So we, we all do our part. You know, if this is pretty much like, we're running it like it was like the Bulls or the Lakers, like, you know, with Jordan Pippen and Rodman, or, you know what I mean? Right. Like, that's the way right, that we right. kind of really run our, our offense because... And all the parts are interchangeable. Some days I, I might be Robin, some days I might be Jordan, some days I might be Pippin, and inter- it's all interchangeable. Right, right. But right. it's really important for us to make sure that it's efficient and cohesive. And every time, a lot of those times that the companies will reach out to us, like I said, they will always either look at what can street jeans do as a global impact into our demographic, and then what individually does each of us represent in those
1: situations. That's dope. It sounds like you all couple each other very nicely, which is super key, you know, in a company. And then that'll reflect obviously in the conversations. Is it, for you, you say you like, you have these partnerships. How how have you guys designed it to be able to fuel the eight to 10 people that you guys have going on? Like for us, you know, Black and Cream, it's a podcast, it's a creative community, it's very similar without the magazine portion of it, but um, it took a long time of me self-funding this shit to try to like help curate a, a place for creators to come together and like help each other. Um, which was cool, but eventually I was trying to find outlets for it. To, like, <laughs> exactly. help pay for it Cause fuck, it gets expensive. But, so yeah. It gets expensive. And now it's shout out to like sponsorships and podcasts. How are you guys doing it? Were you guys working like any like ad type content into your magazines or, or how did you, how did you do it?
0: It was, it, it's always been really interesting with that because we don't necessarily have any ads. So we, we've, we tried to find interesting kind of ways to approach ads because, mm. you know, uh, We're consumers, first and foremost, and I I hate when I go through, like, a a magazine, uh, one of those magazines, like an old complex magazine or something like that, and just littered with ads, you know, and God bless them, I understand why they need to do that, because it's not cheap to print, you know, magazines, but we also are very aware about the actual numbers of magazines that we're printing, so the numbers of magazines that we're printing are never past the limit of where we have to really jeopardize our content and what we're creating. But at the same time, we do leverage that by having really strong, uh, uh, partners that understand what we, the way that we want to do ad work. So we look at, right. like I mean, it's not a real, I don't know if this is a coin term already, or whatever, but we look at it as advertorials. Like one of our big clients and like our trusted clients, and I love those dudes forever is Astro gaming, you know? Astro has been holding us down for like six years. So shout out to Aaron, shout outs to Enrique. Those are my peoples, Shady. Um, but what's really dope about Astro is that we have a a fluid conversation of a partnership where they are not trying to do no weird walkie shit onto our magazine and vice versa. We right. understand like we can be the most impactful with our, our demographic and our and our audience by creating stuff that they like <laughs> you know right, it's right, a very right. simple concept so yeah. we really just try to find the people that understand that that vision with us and and can have that kind of open kind of communication and understanding like we want to sell f- stuff for you guys too you know what i mean like i i want to wear good video game headphones it doesn't mean that i need to do some shucking and driving for it either you know we can find <laughs> a good middle ground that both of us feel comfortable with and um and we can have a long fruitful a long fruitful uh fruitful relationship
1: yeah, that's, that's fucking awesome. And I, yeah, that's a great company too. They, I got a pair of their headphones. They sent them to me shots, Sarah. And I think like having a company that really cares, they want to be involved in your growth and what you do for the community. And I think through that, that's always the most important thing to us. It's like, you want to find companies that really care about what you do. Um, Elgato is like a, our sponsor, one of our sponsors in, Like, they just care about us having a podcast that helps creatives. You know what I mean? That's what they do is they create, like, gear for creatives. So, of course, like, we'll use their gear. But, like, through our process of doing that, I think those conversations will happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's really key. And that's cool that you guys have been able to develop that. So, for you personally, as as your photography starts to explode, I mean, obviously, you've built, like, a big following on Instagram and shit. And it makes too much sense if that's where you came from, from the Tumblr world to, like, just getting involved and really growing a, a... stylized page that people could fall in love with. I mean, it's, it's candy, bro. It's like, you're in a candy <laughs> shop. You just scroll through and you're just like, this is all good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, this I is just all good. <laughs> They're Making me blush. I'm light skin. No, <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you, but you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously the work is the, the proof is in the pudding. So if, if when did you see this growth in like a following on social and then how did that play a part in your creative life and your business?
0: You know, I I come from the era of the early, like I said, the early Instagram wave of uh, the early Instagram waves. So like back in the like early twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. Like all the homies that I was hanging out with were all getting suggested user, you know? And I never got suggested user. It was mind boggling mm. to me. I was offended, <laughs> like Left and right, people get suggested. you. I will wake up in the morning, like, somebody will have 7,000 followers. I will wake up, they will have 32K. I'm like, how the hell did yeah. this happen? I'm out here struggling. I mean, I'm in the streets <laughs> every day. Shoot, yep. posting, we used to post post two photos, three photos a day, like, back in the day. God it was damn. insane. Like It was, we were so competitive with each other. And then after a while, like, since I, I was getting disheartened all the time that I would never, like, get uh, accepted into this cool kid group and, on Instagram and I started just to really focus on myself. You know what I mean? Like, man, like, just forget all this politics. Forget all this kind of, like, you know, hanging out. With, maybe I'm not hanging out with the right people, but I just need to really invest my time in my work and really actually engage with people online. Like, I was really, like, I'm really into other people's work. Like, you know, I've, I was mm. commenting on other people's photos. Like, we were going back and forth. Like, we were always talking to each other. We were building real communication. We were building real community. So I don't know when the, I don't know when it really started to happen. But like, I never got suggested user, you know? <laughs> I'll just tell you yeah. that for a fact. Yeah. <laughs> never got co-signed by Instagram, you know? It was, my, my growth has all been about being on the streets and being real with people. And then like, every time that there was a, like a time to talk to, like, you know, we used to set up like these talks back in the day with Adorama. Like, we used to do like these Adorama talks. Like, I would be so willing to talk to people about what I knew and what information I knew. I wouldn't try to give up all the sauce, but I would just, I would talk, I would talk about these things. You know what I mean? Like mm. it was very open and communal about everything that I, with my art. And I think over time it's just started to grow and, and it became something that, and you know, I'm still uncomfortable with. Like I, if you if anybody really knows me, I don't ad- introduce myself as Steve sweatpants. So like, <laughs> I will go All to right, a right. spot and like if, I will say, yo, what's up? I'm Steve. And if yeah. you know who I am, you know who I am. And if you don't, then like even better. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. like how people change their whole perspective sometimes when they meet somebody with "quote unquote" a bunch of followers, so right, you know, it's a, it's it's something that is actually it's a blessing, it's a it's a it's a curse. <laughs> yeah, of course. But at the same time, I use it as it's a tool. You know, it's something that helps feed my parents, you know, and feed my mom and my sister, and and feed myself, and I could buy books and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. It, 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 and you said like you got a job working with the Knicks. Is that what you said? Yeah yeah so so how did how do those opportunities come like that like that's obviously sick as fuck you know it's, you're shooting in the nba it's crazy. It's, that's crazy
0: and then a lot of it comes to do with uh like this is also like it comes to, kind of comes down to like what i was talking about a little bit earlier with packaging like through my packaging of how i package my photos is like i'm pa- i was always packaging my photos with let's just say my my color commentary um and then like i would talk about the knicks you know i'll be like <laughs> i will talk about honey buns i will talk about like you know anything that w- was in the conversation that I will have with the homies. So sometimes right. I will have inside jokes about like me and you will have a conversation about something. Say we like, you know, you stop using other toilet paper. I will use it as a caption. You know what I mean? So right. me, me and you would know what we're talking about and the rest of the world would think it random, but like me, I will have like a special connection with kind of people. And, and it was most like the Shakespearean way that I will look at the world. You know what I mean? Like of, yeah, cool. of having my own twist to it. So being able to work with some of these companies sometimes was, me really on some manifest destiny kind of flow like i would really talk about like man i wish i'm on my couch but i'm wishing like i could be with the knicks right now or something like that and i'm actually working with the Knicks now i've been able to go to london with them i've been able to be on black history months panels with them for the past couple of years it's like, an opportunity that makes no sense like um but at the same time like you know i've been talking i've been talking about this for a long time it doesn't it's it, it's something like it doesn't surprise me. I'm just happy that it actually happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And it's, it's the same thing for like a lot of those other clients that we work with. Like I've always been a Nike fanboy from since day one, and you know, they've been able to bring me to Super Bowl Fifty, and like I, I, it was like some kind of experiences that you would never even dream of talking about. But like all those captions are was talking about, how I used to wear dusty shoes or all yeah, <laughs> right. that kind of stuff like that, it all kind of translates. You know, if it, if anybody would see me, I was always wearing a pair of, of Nike. So it was the inevitable that Nike were to hit me up eventually. You know what I mean? Like my lifestyle really shifted towards the things that I really uh, wanted to do.
1: Right. That's sick. So let's talk about that for a second. So if Nike, Nike hits you up, they want to send you to the Super Bowl. What is it that they're asking you to do? What are your deliverables? What's your, like, how are you handling that work? You know what I mean? Now, now you're working with a client right? Versus it just being like, I go I go out and do what I need to do. And obviously, that probably is how the conversation always starts. It's like, we love what you do. Go do what you want to do. And then they fucking take it to like 30 people in a boardroom and then they come back and like, but we also need all this other shit. You know what I mean? Like, how do you handle, go into that a little bit. Like, what was what was the job and how did you do it?
0: The job situation that I get myself into is always really interesting. So they all vary. You know, the Nike situation to the Super Bowl, I didn't have to do anything. You know, I had to just show up and then be a part of the experience. I was one of the, like the youngest people, um youngest editors of, uh, of of like print publications. There, I was there with like the co-founder of Visionaire Magazine and all these other really crazy uh high fashion and, and editorial kind of editors for like public print publications. And I was there to just observe <laughs> and 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 be there. And actually, those are, that was probably one of the illest moments of my life of ex- just being able to not be required to do anything. Sometimes, right? It's just yeah. experience it and understand like what with situations that you're in. And I remember bumping into the homie Jordan Rogers. He's like, man, you need to really soak all of this up and understand like what's happening. And then me bumping into Jordan Rogers back then got me to work with Nike and the NFL in two years of doing all the stuff for the NFL opening and being able to document all the top high school athletes over the, last, the, ne- the next year or so. So all those situations is understanding like what am I supposed to do in this situation and how can I amplify this as much as possible? Mm-hmm because the Nike yeah. situation to the Super Bowl is completely different from when I got to work with Cartier. Cartier sends me to to document and be a part of the experience, but at the same time it's like they want to they want you to understand like what luxury means and how can you actually transcend this into your work in on another level. So, it's like understanding how to be as flexible in these situations but at the same time be uh very adamant about what you want to communicate uh, into these individual situations. So, Nike Super Bowl situation, I was the young gun. I needed to be as much as a sponge <laughs> as possible in that situation. Right. In the Cardiac right. situation, I needed to be as personable as possible. Like, you don't want anybody that is taking photos of Idris' elbow to be like, you know, choking up. Like, you have to be cool, calm, and collective. And at the same time, fit the ambience and understand what you want to document. So, it, yeah, it's being a chameleon that. in a lot of these situations and understanding, like, is the full spectrum on it's a full spectrum of when you're working with some clients and it's not always just like, just do this and like, you know, and just show up.
1: Yeah. When when it comes to portraits, I'm curious of like, what, what is your, what is your tactic? How, how, you know, like you just said, it's, you need to be personal and and really like allow someone at a celebrity, even if it's a mod, like a model that isn't celebrity or it's just a random person on the street. Um, all people need this comfortability to come from a photographer. So like, what is your, what's your process to like build that with the, with the subject and then and then your strategy to shoot those photos?
0: No, I, honestly, you could be, it could be, it could be a, from a, a crackhead to a, like a Hollywood celebrity. I would treat everybody the same. That's the first rule. Like I would make sure that if you, if you were like the drunk dudes on my corner, like he, if he was wearing a dope Jordan sneakers one day, I was like, oh man, yo, Ty Nitty, you got some dope sneakers on today. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would be the same thing I would say to Idris Elba. Like I treat, there is a, a equal line that I really try to treat with people. And then that's, a, it's really important to be, not to sometimes, especially when it comes to some portrait kind of photos, not not every situation means like you need to have like these deep philosophical conversations with people. But some situations, if you want to have something that's intimate, like you need to understand that like sometimes I lead with a compliment or sometimes I ask, what's sub with you? I don't just lead with a camera, <laughs> you know, or just right. trying to like, you know, be evasive like that. Like I know what it feels like to somebody just putting a camera at me. So I don't want to do that I, like, I treat my neighbor like myself in those kind of situations. So once we break that kind of ice, then I will go into like, yo, do you mind like, you know, you, you know take a quick little joint? Like you look really dope in front of the situation. Sometimes I, I try to walk towards the spot I want to be in already so that I don't have them to do anything else. Like you literally don't have to do anything. Like I've walked to this specific angle on this corner for a reason. So I'm trying to cut as much time out as possible. You know what I mean? So not only do I try to like, right Only like you know compliment them and be normal at first but then at the same time i try to prepare where i want to be so i don't take up too much of their time you know so like at a certain mm-hmm. point like once you snap a couple of photos they be like oh that's it and i was like yeah word like we can yeah. take some more later it's like all right cool and then i could always come back to you later now because they understand that i'm a normal person i'm not trying to take up too much of your time We've, right. already have, like, we've already established these kind of boundaries, you know what I mean? So I'm, it's I'm able to, like, if you want to hang out and have a drink at that point, yeah, word, like, I'll, I'll kick it with you. Like, it has nothing to do with photos at the point. Like, we just find out finding out about how to be human beings, you know what I mean? So
1: mm. I,
0: try, yeah. I try to be as human, as simple as possible in those situations, because it allows me to be deeper in my process.
1: Right. And when you go out, when you're going out into the streets, what... What, you know, maybe there's no objective, maybe there's no, there's no tie to any brand, or maybe it's just for your own personal, you know, archiving, how, how do you kind of strategize uh, what you document? Or is it just like your day to day? And this is what you happen to see that day and, and you're snapping those photos? Or do you usually go out with some some sort of list of goals?
0: I mean, it, 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 always, it kind of depends. I don't like to keep myself to like a strict kind of regimen with that. I, I, I let my, uh, my thoughts kind of flow towards the day. But the at the root of everything that I try to do, I try to make it make sense. Like it has to have some kind of like point A to point B. So if I'm going outside one day to chill with the homies, I might like, you know, take a photo of the street sign first and then go from like, you know, a photo of something else random. So I'm I'm building up my point to where I'm, I'm trying to tell my story, if you will. So mm-hmm. if I were to go back to look at it, I could look at a streamline of the day and it won't be as random. You know, sometimes right. I just, if I'm in the Uber and <laughs> or driving around with somebody, I would just snap random photos and that's something that's completely different. But going out throughout the whole day of doing like a step-by-step routine of like doing the street signs, taking the commute, you know, like building up my story. So like when I can tell it, it makes, everything would be cohesive to me. So it would feel out of place.
1: Shit. Stay safe out there, bro. Shit's gonna be nuts. You want um, to get it shaking? I mean,
0: we,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck. Uh, when, you know, like, especially during, you know, George Floyd passes, right? and we see this, a new wave, a new wave of fucking protesting and the people coming out and really trying to, to make a, a strong voice for this shit. Yeah, You had some of the most amazing photos. Like you you had some amazing photos. And, and like you just said, the New Yorker is having you come out and shoot this. And I think, did you have some publication work during that time too, documenting like protests and just what was happening in the world at that time?
0: Yeah, actually I was working with the New Yorker at that time too. Um, oh shit. So they had, me, um, they had me on assignment to take the first night of curfew my um, neighbors was doing that, all that curfew nonsense out here, uh, so I had to document that, and um, that that was because I I just went out one day with me, uh, me, Jess, and um, a couple of the other homies. We all went out, hit the streets uh, heavy on like on the thirty first or the thirtieth. That was May thirtieth, and we were documenting from Fourteenth Street all the way down to like downtown, and and we just went out there because like we were all all of us were itching to get out there. You know what I mean? Like we had to see right, what was right. going on. And then I remember me and Jess got off the train and then we turned around and we saw like a thousand people like coming towards us with this dude was like a Lucha Libre mask on. And the first thing I said, oh, it's game time, you know, and then <laughs> that whole day <laughs> was madness, you know, and then yeah. everything that that was that was no brand affiliation. That was no ads and nothing like that. I, I wanted to just be out there, you know what I mean? Because my parents grew up, my parents grew up in the 60s and the 70s. They'd seen everything going on. Like my mom's from Brownsville. Uh, so anybody knows Brownsville and East New York, they know that was, that was the hood. So she, she definitely told me about everything growing up, uh, back in the days out there. So I, I felt like that was my time. It was like my duty, my obligation. It was everything for me to be out there at that time to like, control the narrative, you know? Uh, right? It was like everybody telling you all this other random shit that's happening, but you actually had to be there to experience it. So it was really important for me to be out there first and, which is honestly grateful that The New Yorker saw my work and then it, it kind of got crazy after that. Like The New Yorker picked it up, GQ picked it up, like New York Magazine, like ID France. Uh, it, it, got, it, it went everywhere, so.
1: Well, what I like, what I thought was amazing is, is not like, I think the first thing, and, and, and for sure, I mean, Black Widow Cream being a, uh, we have a Facebook group, right? So the conversation really sparks it. Everyone was documenting their, wherever they're from area, what was happening, right? And there was this massive conversation about censorship and and shooting photos of a certain thing and, and documenting and why they're documenting. And so many people would run out for a hype piece just to like get, to be like, I shoot photos and of course I'm in a fucking protest and I'm edgy and shit. But what I loved about yours was it wasn't necessarily about chaos and like damage and, you know, all that part of it. It was capturing real emotions of people. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I got from your photos, which... I don't know. It re- it just resonated with me. I felt like it was a true way, and that that makes that makes you stick out as a photographer to me is that I really feel that person and what they're going through at that time, and the crowd of people and what what the community and the gathering, especially during a fucking pandemic, and it doesn't matter anymore because it's about us. like we have to walk in unity anymore. You know what I mean?
0: It was just I just hate when is because it, 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 I hate sensationalism. It's sensationalism. I can't even say that word, dude. But like, I hate when people just feel like they're instigating a situation, you know? And especially being a black dude born and raised in New York, like we have so many different stereotypes that we have to fight all the time. I don't want to just, just gravitate towards those situations because like, and not to say that like er, there's so much stuff happening around you. Like it's, it's your, it's your job to tell the truth. You know what I mean? And then like, not to say that that's not the truth, but a lot of those situations, like, a lot of those situations are so exploitive and they're not showing the right kind of message. And I think it's really important, especially for people who have, uh, you know, I look at it like I have like having the kind of following that I have, it's like having two baseball stadiums filled up. You know what I mean? It's really important what I'm talking about in two baseball stadiums. You know what I mean? And like, I'm not going to be using reckless, you know, reckless kind of images to display what's going on, especially when it has to do with my people. You know, especially when it has to do with everything that's going on with our country. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to, you know, exploit those situations. I need to tell the truth. Now, if if, if some wild shit is happening, then of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm not going to look-, look, you know, specifically look for that. You know what I mean? There's a lot right. of other stuff that's happening out here that I think the stories need to be spoken about rather than just the easy stuff. There's always need yeah, to talk about. stuff but if you want to do something that's sort of more surface surface level it takes some takes some work and i don't mind doing the work
1: right no i love that um when you when you do go out into the field like that and it's for a publication like is there guidelines for you for safety like when when you work you know when someone reaches out to you to actually document for their agency or, or their you know their outlet what do what do you get as a photographer? Is it just like go oh, do your thing, and if you have anything cool, let us know? Or are they advising you to go into certain situations to try to document it? How, how did that work out? It
0: depends on who you work with.
1: <laughs> right. Well,
0: the people that I work with, they definitely have uh, safety protocols in, in place. Like they have a lawyer uh, on call all the time. So if I were to get locked up or some crazy stuff, something happens happens to me, I can call the lawyer asap. Right. Um, and the situation i was before with the new yorker i wasn't close to the writer but i was close enough to the writer um that if it were to get shaken i would have just hit her up right away and then like you know so we could at least you know be together so they have uh they have the best kind of safety protocols you can put because at the end of the day like they're not going to give you no security guard to walk around with but at least if i have a number to a lawyer <laughs> like that's yeah. not something that like i have to pay for out of pocket because i'm on on something with you then I, i'll definitely take that risk
1: right yeah, that's good. Um, so a weird transition, but I would love to hear more about the the Sony ambassadorship. You, like you said, you you went through the, all these different types of cameras, you know what I mean, for, and, and then you ended up landing in Sony. So, at what point did you build the relationship with the brand itself, and and what has it been like for you, and how did they support you as a photographer?
0: I built the relationship with the brand because, uh, like a lot a lot of it comes down to community again. The first person to actually like buy a, a Sony camera, I think, was Silva. And Silver brought the, the A7 to the block, and I was, still, I was still using the Fuji X-T1 at the time. And I loved the, the colors, you know, I loved the color simulation joint. Like, um the 56 1.2 was, like, their 85 equi- equivalent, and I was obsessed with that right. lens. You know what I mean? Like, I love that lens. I, used, I rocked out with it for a long time. But the thing that really gravitated, I gravitated towards Sony in the first place was the full-frame camera. You know, you get in the same bang for your buck, but you have full-frame Full frame photos and then like you know you can crop the hell out of your images and i'm i'm really big into not over over overly manipulating my photos but some situations require a crazy crop you know what i mean so the sony was really uh crucial for that so when i started you, you know after i saw silver you know messing around with it um at the time i was working with uh, adorama and i told them like um you know can you hook me up with the you know exchanging the sody the this, this fuji xt1 for the sony camera and they were able to let me use it, and this this was without any like Sony sp- sponsorships yet or anything. Um, I just started to go crazy with it. I used it as much right. as I could, and um, and I was really um, I kept on trying to like do the same thing that everybody else does. Like I tried to tag Sony as much as I can. Yeah. I tried to like all my fr- they, all my friends that were using Sony. I was like, man, like this is really dope. Like we really need to like you know stick together on this stuff. At the same time. Um, the, uh, it probably will, I probably won't go down in the history books, but like Silva was one of the first people to like really uh start coming up with this concept of alpha collective of, of like what it could be um wow. so when he first got kind of really started to ball rolling with Sony like this was like you know really close to like four or five years ago, I wasn't able to get onto the first wave of the Alpha Collective group, but I was able to get on to the second wave um so the, me using that Sony camera for all those years it actually gave me a chance to work with. Uh, work with Sony and get signed to Sony, and they was able to send me to Cuba for like seven weeks, seven days for like this uh, street photography trip. I got to go to Bar- you know Barcelona uh, and Spain wow. with them. You know, Sony has really uh, been able to hook me up over the last couple of years. So, you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to say they're perfect, <laughs> right? But uh, but I definitely there's no other camera company that has ridden harder for 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 me or for any other people that I know that look like me um, ever. So. I I definitely respect
1: something on that. Wow, that's really dope. Yeah, that's sick. For you, you you know, reflecting on on everything that's happened so far, what are some of the favorite moments that you highlight, like, you know, to reflect on, to just think of, like, at one point you have your homie paying your rent. Now everything's, like, kosher. But, like, fuck, I went from having slept on a couch in my own apartment and having someone pay my rent to being able to do this. Like, what are some of those this moments that you're just like, shit, this is nuts? Damn, there's
0: so many, honestly. I think the one, but the biggest one to me, uh, still to this day is, uh, when we got published in the New York times, like in 2015. Um, I remember like, like I said, I didn't graduate college. Like I, the reason why I didn't graduate college is because I got mugged when I was like 18. I had to like, these three dudes hopped out of a bush and hit me with a sock full of rocks. I had to get three Uh, little plates in my face. Like my lip is still partially numb to this day. And like, I was like, man, I ain't going to school no more. I'm just going to just make money, you know, (laughs) like not wasting my time with this. So my college career was cut short because of that. It's not like I'm just like Kanye West college dropout now. Like I got the shit beat out of me. You know what I mean? Like there's a big Damn. difference, you know? Yeah. So then me being able to get this New York, to not only stay alive because I most died, but but to be able to get into the New York times off of photography and creating a street dreams magazine. And, and this being like, they 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 looked at it as like we we revitalized print magazines Um you can't, you can't beat that. I was crying like a baby on Myrtle and Broadway right next to the Popeye's chicken spot. You know what I mean? Like, so even talking about it, still gives me goosebumps. Like that's, that was real, you know? And my dad was in good health. My grandparents were still alive. You know, my, my grandpa was still alive. I was still like, this bracelet that I rock is my grandpa's joint that he gave me, you know, that stuff is, you know, like I keep my family on me. And then like those, the biggest illest things that I could do was like the things that my family got to experience. Like the last gallery that my dad got to go to in good health, it was like, the, a Sony, a Sony gallery actually, with uh, all of my photos and stuff like that. And like he, a month later, he had four. Like pretty much, he started getting all those strokes. So, like but, those, like those are real, real memories that you know is it, immortality to me. You know what I mean, so I, yeah. I, I can't, um, I can't, I can't, I can't write it a better way. <laughs> you know what I right.
1: mean? Right. No, that's incredible. Fuck, man, that's that's sick. I think it's it's it says a lot about you to be able to document the way you document and to hold that shit close to your heart, and then the education purpose too, with you guys going above and beyond to try to help spotlight creators. It's not easy, like you said. You couldn't get the fucking Instagram feature that you wanted forever. <laughs> nah, the <Kirby laughs> you know I mean? for years. Yeah, yeah, forever. I don't so think it's I like I got verified, <laughs> right? And, and that that's like crazy crucial because it's like to be it, it's tough. It's tough. To be to stand out in this industry, it's tough to get a chance. It's tough to get guidance. It's tough to find mentorship. And so, I applaud you for being able to pull that shit off, man. That's that's impressive.
0: Thank you, man. It, it takes, but uh, I can Like I said, like it definitely takes, like you know, a lot of hustle and being like really adamant about your shit. But like I can't, you can't do nothing by yourself. That's and fact. if it wasn't for uh-huh. like my parents. My parents, honestly, Lord Jesus Christ, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be in this situation right now. And then all my homies, like I got some of the most solid homies around me. So that, right. that's the, yeah, I wouldn't be here without them.
1: That's, that's tight. Yo, I, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but this is how I wrap this shit up. So what I do is I tell everyone that's listening right now, if they made it this far into the interview, but they're going to go to your Instagram, they're going to comment on whatever your most recent image is, like they may hear this a year from now, whatever, they can comment on that shit, and they're going to tag me at Ben Rovers World, and then they're going to put this hashtag you're about to decide what it is so we both know that they listened to the interview all the way through. Mm. It's just, it can be anything you want it to be, and I cannot help you decide what it is. He's stinking, ladies and gentlemen. That's a good one. Right.
0: This is, sheesh, so much pressure. Mm-hmm. It was like,
1: this is like, keep it a stack. Keep it a stack. Woof! I like that. That's fire. All right. Yeah. We're wrong with that. Last thing I, I feel like I got to ask you this just because I'm sure you've answered this a million times. Where's Steve's sweatpants come from? Do you take Steve another medium and a pair I'm of sweatpants? I'm sweatpants today.
0: You know
1: what I mean? Yup. 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 Keeping it cozy.
0: They're cozy. Uh, Steve's sweatpants is honestly, it started from my mom. Like, first, like, first off, like my first Instagram name was Trill Bellamy. But like okay. people started calling me Trill and it was weird, and because I used to I, was, I made it off of like a play of Bill Bellamy because you know Bill Bellamy is hilarious, and right. I had to like find something that was way more me and like I don't want people to call me like Trill for short. So then I was started thinking like I started thinking about my mom and then my mom always used to like make fun of me about wearing sweatpants because I used it as like an excuse to always like. Anytime I had to wash the dishes or something like that, I was like, oh, yeah, let me put on my sweatpants first. She's like, oh, go pick up the garbage. I was like, oh, yeah, let me go put on my sweatpants. And then it turned to be like, kind of like my superpower. And at the end of the day, um, the, the true essence of these sweatpants is like, you know, I like, be, I like to be comfortable and I like people to be comfortable around me. So,
1: mm. boom. That's tight. That's super tight. All right, bro. I appreciate you, man. You stay safe out there and, and, and good luck with the election documentation. That's that's going to be a wild trip. I can't wait to that's see what you not come up with. Now,
0: but, you know, we out here, we got straight. I got all my, all my homies in the back. You know what I mean? they gonna, they going to hold me down.
1: <laughs> this is the real
0: deal. But regardless of what happened, like, you know, nobody can nobody can change what we are meant here to do every single day. So no matter if it's Biden or Trump or Kanye West, uh we are, we, you know, we're the people. We have an other, we have right. other missions. We have other things to take care of. So, like, God bless them. Right. Hopefully, it works out. And uh, fuck Donald Trump. You know what I mean?
1: Yep, fuck him. All right, <laughs> I'm ending on that, bro. All right, thank you, dog. All right, peace, bro yo that's it for today's episode thank you for tuning in if you enjoyed the show go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you want to connect with other like-minded creatives share your work get feedback ask questions find job opportunities and so much more join our free private community at bwnc.com slash join we would love to have you next week at the end of the morning roast episode if you would like to ask us questions that we will answer in our new question of the day segment You should do that. Submit it. Submit a 90-second or less voice note or video with your question to bwncsubmit at gmail.com. I'll also put that in the description below. Um, But submit it, and we'll answer your question on the show. Last week, we did it. It was our first time. It was pretty cool to do that and hear hear from the community. And hopefully, we helped with some of the answers Dave and I gave. So if you want to do that, send it in now lastly i want to give a big shout out to you for supporting the show whether you have shared the episode out with creative homie left us a review engaged with us on social media whatever you've done we appreciate you it means the world to us when we have people that that you know love the show it's that's what we're doing it for so enjoy the work we keep creating and i will see you next week you